Turn with me to Matthew 28, uh, the scripture we read earlier, verses 16 to 20. And then you could also put a finger, if you want, in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3. And I want to give you a sermon this morning entitled, The Great Commission. This was in the reading uh, for today, if you follow McShane's reading schedule. You probably read this chapter this morning for the New Testament reading. Now let's, uh, let's make a prayer together, and then I'll give you this sermon, and then uh, I trust the Lord will speak to your heart. Oh, before I pray, uh, Bob, Bob Gammon, that's me, Bob's, what's the dates for VBS? What do we decide? June 24 through 27. So if you're, if you're wanting to get on your calendar for VBS, it's June 24 to 27. And that seems like a long ways away, but before you know it, it'll be here, which means summer will be here, which means the fishing will be good. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so if you, want to get on, if you want to help with that, usually VBS, we, it goes from about 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock, Monday through Thursday. And you want to get on your calendar. If you can help all the days, that's great. If you can help just a couple days, one day, uh, we need all the help we can get. And uh, there's a lot of stuff goes on for that. But that's the dates, 24 through 27 June. Now let's pray together. Dear Father, we, oh Lord, I don't know if it's we, but I'm asking you to help me with this sermon. And I pray that you would make it a blessing and a help, a challenge to, the, to those who hear it. Help me to make your words plain. And I pray, Lord, that um, what I do here will be honorable to you, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We read this scripture already, but this is, if you have a Bible like mine, you may have at the top of the paragraph there, the words, the Great Commission. The Great Commission. These are the last words of Jesus when he ascends to heaven. He tells the disciples, the early church, what he wants them to do until he comes. He tells them, what he wants them to do, and he tells them that he has all authority to command them to do this and that they should go forward under his authority. When I was a kid growing up, my my brother would sometimes come and tell me, hey, you need to take out the trash. And I would say to my brother, go suck an egg. Because who was he to boss me around? And so he would go back to my mom, and my mom would say, you go tell him that mom said or dad said to do such and such. And he would come back and say, well, dad said, take out the trash. And when he invoked that authoritative phrase, dad said, boy, I got to it. Because it wasn't just Joel was operating not under his own authority, but he was operating under the authority of his superior my father. Now, when my dad was a kid, he would often refer to himself as being a latch key kid. My dad was born in 1955 uh, in Illinois, uh, same town I was born in, a little town called Mattoon, Illinois. And uh, he had two brothers, and these three boys, their names were Terry, Larry, and Jerry. And uh, I just want to say, thank the Lord that I wasn't Jerry <laughs> or Larry, but I got Terry, which is better than those other names. And uh, the doctor told my grandma if she had a fourth son that he, would, that he was going to name that child for her, Harry. Can you imagine Terry, Larry, Jerry, Harry? 
And as a kid growing up, my grandpa would yell at me. He'd say, he'd say, Terry, Larry, Jerry, <laughs> to be all the time. And so my dad had these, these two brothers, and uh, he, he and his brothers got home before my grandparents did. But each morning as they ate breakfast together, my grandpa would tell him and his brothers uh, before he left for work what he wanted them to do when they got home from school I want you to do these things before I get home. And so sometimes it was uh, my grandpa was a big gardener, which is a gene I'm glad my father did not pick up. My grandfather made a big garden. My grandpa would say, I want you to pick the beans, pick the peas, weed the garden, or cut the grass, or any number of chores that he wanted them to get done before he got home. That was was their commission. Do this before I get home home. Now, my dad and his brothers, they lived in that special time in, the, in world history when everybody and their brother was playing baseball. And so my dad would often say how sometimes they would be at this old lot playing baseball with their neighborhood buddies, and they would see my grandpa's truck come across the railroad tracks. Now, in Illinois, it's not like Michigan. In that part, there's no trees, so you can see a long ways. And the highest vantage point in that part of Illinois usually is the railroad right-of-ways where the, where the truck, where the cars could cross the railroad tracks. There's a big berm built up. And they would see my grandfather's truck come across the tracks. And they would say, oh, no! And they would run home and try to achieve the commission, fulfill the commission, before they got decommissioned. <laughs> By grandpa. So what would happen to my dad is they would get busy with the wrong stuff and leave the important things undone. They would neglect to carry out the commission of their father. Now today I want to talk to you about our devotion to the commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we have there in Matthew verses 28, 16 to 20, is where Jesus gives us a command. A command to go to the nations. All authority is given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. It's called great because it's a big commission. It's big in scope. We have to take the gospel to the world. And my friends, I want to say that our Christian forefathers and foremothers, that they did do, they did fulfill the commission. Because this commission of Christ was given across the Atlantic Ocean, across the Mediterranean Sea, to a small group of people outside Jerusalem. And that small band of people, about 120 people in the first church, they evangelized all around the Mediterranean. They preached the gospel throughout the Roman Empire, throughout North Africa, all the way into Asia. The gospel, they carried it with them everywhere they went. As they went, they made disciples, they baptized believers, they taught them the scriptures. And my friends, here we are 2,000 years later, and the gospel made it all the way around the world and landed right here in the tip of the mitt, Michigan. God's people being faithful to the commission has resulted in a different world. It's a different world because of the gospel. 
But my friends, the mission is not over yet. The commission to evangelize the world has not stopped. Because every day there are more people born. Every day new people breathe the free air of God's world. And so we have to keep the gospel going forward. My friends, you and I need to take an active role in proclaiming the gospel to the nations. Now, the way we do it to the nations is by sending missionaries. This past Sunday, we had our dear brother who was here telling us about his ministry, his gospel preaching efforts in a foreign land. And my friends, we have to keep that going. We have to keep on sending missionaries and praying for missionaries, praying that God would raise up missionaries, maybe even being willing to be missionaries ourselves, to surrender to the call of God, to take the gospel to the nations. The gospel must be preached in the world, but the gospel must also be proclaimed right here in good old Sheboygan County. We live in a county that is filled with people who do not know Jesus Christ at all. He's a name. His name's attached to holidays, Easter and Christmas. But they, don't, they know about him. They know of him. But they don't know him personally in that personal way that you and I know him. And my friends, it is our sacred privilege, our sacred responsibility to make the gospel known where we are in the circles that we live in, to tell our friends and loved ones, to tell our neighbors about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to die for their sins, to tell them about a Savior whose mercy is more than you can imagine, to tell them about the Christ. This is the Great Commission. This is our sacred obligation, is to take the gospel into the world. Now, my friends, I don't know, I'd like to point back to our live nativity we had here at the church. In a stroke of God's providence, the Lord gave Brother Sam Agee a, a tremendous gospel ditty to give. And I call it a gospel ditty because it was a gospel message set to rhyme. And he stood right out there in that shed. And he told over 1,200 people how they could find peace and salvation through Jesus Christ. Sam told me, he said, I have not been a part of anything like that in my whole life where I got to tell the gospel to that many people personally, face to face, over two days. And my friends, that was us doing what we should do, keeping the Great Commission alive here. My friends, the light that shines the furthest should shine the brightest at home, and we cannot let that lapse. We must keep on proclaiming the gospel to this city, to this community, telling people how they can come to Christ. We have to keep it going. We're trying to do it in in thought-provoking not thought-provoking, but in interesting, innovative ways. we got Vacation Bible School coming up, yet another opportunity to tell people about Christ. My friends, we have to keep it going. Keep on telling people about the Savior. Keep on telling people about a Savior who loved them and died for them. Tell them about the forgiveness of sins. Tell them that there is hope, that there is a bright spot in their dark, sin-dominated lives. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And my friends, listen, you may may say, well, I'm not that good at talking to people about the gospel. Join the club. None of us are really good at it. But the 
the effectiveness of the gospel does not come through the eloquence of the speaker. It comes through the power of the message itself. The gospel is the power of God and His salvation. My friends, the gospel must be preached. And we have to keep on preaching it. We have to keep on proclaiming it. Lloyd-Jones, when he talks about Acts chapter 8, he says there, that the Bible says in the authorized version, that they went everywhere preaching the word. The early church was scattered, and they went everywhere preaching the word. And Lloyd-Jones said, he says, he doesn't criticize the translation of the Bible too often, but he does there, where he says, that a better rendering of this would be that they went everywhere. You guys will like this gossiping the gospel. <laughs> Is that every time they leaned across the fence in the backyard to talk to their neighbor, they had a little bit of gospel in their talk. Every time they sat down in the marketplace, the gospel was at the, t- on the tip of their tongue all the time. And my friends, this, this is the way that I, that I try to live my life, is tossing out the gospel every chance I get. Now, I'm not the best at it, but I try to speak the gospel to people. And I just make it a, a matter of course of my life just to talk about it. And, I, don't, and I, just, I just blurt it out sometimes. Only Christ saves. Jesus is the way. You can, you can have hope. I walked up here to the high school uh, last year. I was trying to borrow a sledgehammer. We needed a sledgehammer down here for something. And I can't remember what it was for. I think I was threatening a deacon that day. <laughs> I, knew, I needed a sledgehammer for something, and I didn't, I didn't know where to get one at. And so I called up to the, to the I ran up to the uh, bus barn, and I walked in there, and this guy, I said, this guy I know, and I can I see his face, and I, I'm not really certain what his name is. I've talked to him lots of times. He's since retired. If I, if I went, on, went on, somebody here will probably know him. But I said, hey, you guys got a sledgehammer I can borrow if I bring it back in a little bit? He said, sure. He said, all you got to do is tell me that, you know, give me some, grant me some absolutions for my sins. Which I said, I can grant you, absol- I can tell you have absolutions for all your sins for all time. And I said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That's if you will put your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Christ will save you and forgive all your sins if you trust in him by faith in him alone and not in anything else. You can go to heaven when you die. He said, sledgehammer's over there. <laughs> now that's just that's just you know we're Christians and if people say well you're a preacher you're always whipping out your gospel gun my friends we ought to all be carrying we ought to all have a little gospel gun in our pocket and anytime we need to whip it out and blast somebody do it fill them full of <laughs> fill them full of lead <laughs> tell people about Christ tell people about Jesus you say, well, I don't really want to talk about Jesus to people. Well, I wonder, do you, do you know Christ at all? Have you come to know Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know Him? Have you come to realize that in yourself you possess no righteousness of your own? Can you agree with what Paul says in Romans 3.10? As it is written, there are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you recognize that as being a descriptor of yourself? 
Have you come to understand that the fact that you are a sinner and that you are unrighteous means that you are going to die and that when you die, you're going to face judgment eventually from God? The wages of sin is death. What you earn because of your sinful behaviors is death. And have you come to understand that the gift of God is eternal life that comes not through you and not through a church and not through the ordinances, but comes through Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again to save all who will believe. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God, it's not something that you earn or work for or you merit or you deserve. It's a gift that you receive. In my pocket, I got this little Swiss Army knife that my family gave to me. I don't know, a long time ago. I don't think I have the date on there, but my initials are on there. If you find it, give it back. (laughs) I'm around sinners a lot, so i got to (laughs) say. But all I had to do to get that knife was to receive the gift that they had given to me. Receive it. I can remember I opened up the little package and I looked at it and said, oh, man, I've been been wanting one. And there it was. Now, I could have looked at it and handled it and said, keep it. But I didn't because I wanted it. Because I felt like in some way I needed it. And my friends, salvation is just such a thing. You receive God's gift of eternal life by faith, realizing that you need it. Because when you realize you need it, you're going to take it. You're going to receive it. You're going to have it as your very own, your very own. How can this gift be free to you, completely free? Only because of Jesus Christ. In due time, Romans says in verse, chapter 5, verse 6, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And whoever will believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that he is the Son of God and God, that raised, and God hath raised him from the dead, you can be saved. This is the gospel message. Have you come to know that? Is Christ your personal Savior? Can you say with 100% certainty, as sure as you can be, that if you died right now, that you would go to heaven? Can you say that? Can you have that kind of assurance? You can have it. My question to you is, do you have it? Are you saved? Have you passed from death unto life? Have you been born again? Well, my friends, that is our message. This is what we have to carry, what we have to take to the nations. We have to take to our streets and our city and our county. So what we should be doing as a church is to keep pressing on in the Great Commission, preaching the gospel. Now notice in our text of Scripture here that the the Lord says to them that they should make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This word disciple means a disciplined learner or a devoted follower, a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says go and make disciples, but how can you make someone a disciple of something you don't do? Are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ? Do you live your life in a way that says, Christ is my master. I'm following him. I'm trying to follow his example. Now, my friends, I think this is a a real scenario, is that people get born again, 
They put their faith in Christ, and then they need to start following Christ. Sometimes those things are separated by some time. Some people get saved when they're little, as a kid, 10, 15 years old, maybe 8 years old. And then when they become an adult, they realize, I need to follow Him. He's my Savior. He also needs to be my Lord. And begin to be a disciple, to follow Him. Have you started to live a Christian life? Have you started to shape your life in a way that says to everybody that you know, in a way that says to your family and to your friends and to your coworkers that I am following Christ? This, this happened to me when I was about 18 years old. I worked at Walmart when I was a teenager. And, and I was a homeschooled kid, you know. And once I started, once I, I quit, quit high school because I got a job, and uh, I was like a dog off the chain, just going everywhere. And at Walmart, my parents were not around down there, and so at Walmart, I had quite the reputation for bad behavior. We'd have safety meetings, and they would say, Terry, we're having a meeting today about you. Uh, somebody, Somebody had been smoking marijuana in the break room. And guess who they thought was doing it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. But there were, there was, I had this bad reputation. One time somebody, my dad, there was a rock and roll station there in the, in the town. And uh, my dad and I, unfortunately, we had the same name, Terry Basham, right? And so on WNOI, it was 103.9, the only rock and roll station in the area um, in southern Illinois, and my dad preached on there live every Sunday morning. And they'd say, welcome, you know, thanks for tuning in this morning to, the, to a sermon from Calvary Baptist Church. Our speaker today is Pastor Terry Basham. My dad would be on there, you know, preaching against everything. And then I'd go to work, and they'd say, oh, I thought I heard you on the radio yesterday. I was like, yeah, you want to go outside? <laughs> and they would say, oh, I bet you can preach, Terry. I bet you can give a sermon. And I said, heck, yeah, I can give a sermon. I've been going to church my whole life. And I stood up in the back stock room on a table like this, and I gave a mock sermon to the whole back room back there. Because I didn't want want anybody to be confused. I I was not trying to be like my dad. But I can remember when God gripped my heart, and I said, you know, Lord, you have saved me. But my life, it's got to belong to you. And that was the summer that I was 18. And I said, Lord, my life is yours. If you want me to be a preacher, I'll be a preacher. I didn't, I didn't say if you want me to be a missionary because I don't want to be a missionary. <laughs> I still don't. Actually, I'm a missionary to Michigan. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'll do what you want with my life. I went back to my job at Walmart. And we'd have this morning meeting every morning. This, 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 is, this is one of the, 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 I guess, maybe the high-water moments of my Christian life, maybe, where I was really, really did something that, you know, I guess if a Christian can be proud of something, I was kind of proud of this, is that uh, they had this morning meeting, and they said, you know, they, gave, they kind of told people, you know, be on time, blah, 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 do your little exercises, you know, 
Give me a W, W, give me an A, A, give me a, give me a squiggly, you know, that kind of stuff. This little morning meeting. And, uh, and they had this little pause. They said, anybody got anything they want to say? And, I, and so I said, I got something I want to say. I said, I just want everybody to know that I'm a Christian. I always have been a Christian, but I've been a rotten Christian here at work. I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. And I took off running <laughs> for the back room. <laughs> and, and, I, and people had people would come and find me and say, now what did you say exactly? <laughs> I had to rehearse that about a hundred times. I thought once we get it done. But then there were people who weren't even there that day. You know, and I just... I just came clean with everybody. I figured all at once would be easier. You know, if you're going to eat crow, eat it fast, right? And so, man, I just tried to fix it up. And people came and talked to me after that, you know, and just, I didn't stay there much longer. After that, I, left, I went up, ended up going to college. But, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes that's what it, for me, that was, I had to make it right with a lot of people because I had been a Christian, but I hadn't been showing them Christ, right? I've been just being a lousy, stinking Christian, and I wanted them to know that I had sinned against the Lord and wanted to be right with him as best I could. Now, there's no, there's, no rest, there's no command for that in the Bible. That's what I did. I'm not saying you have to do that, but it helped me get on the right path, get on the right foot, right? So are you a follower of Christ? Have you started putting on the new man. Now I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to notice how Paul talks about this. He's talking to people who are Christians. These are believers. Colossians chapter 1 verse 2. Just listen as I read it. Paul says, To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So he's talking to Christian people. And in chapter 3... Verse number one, he's telling them to put on Christianity. If you, have been, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things on the earth. For you have died... And your life is hidden with God, with Christ in God. That means you've been spiritually resurrected with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In light of this, Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Here's some things you need to kill in your life. Sexual immorality impurity, passions, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the world. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now, as a Christian, you must put them all away. Put away what? Anger, wrath, Malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie one to another, saying that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of its creator. He says, 
you guys who are Christians, you need to put off that old way of behaving and put on the new way of behaving. Put off the things that are not Christ-like. Put off the things that are unrighteous and put on the things that are righteous. Now, when people are not trying to follow Christ, they don't talk about the gospel. These are hindrances to the Great Commission. We get out of fellowship with God, we get out of joint with God, and we don't want to talk about God. Put on the new man. Quit quit trying to be like the world that you live in. Follow Christ. I've written down here to read the rest of chapter 3 down to verse 17. But I'll, I'll leave it to you. Put on the new stuff. Now, because this, this is a special kind of sermon, I have to mention country music. Do you remember a singer who was a former airline pilot named Aaron Tippin? Aaron Tippin? You know? There ain't nothing wrong with your radio. But he, his, his big blossoming hit was, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for your thing. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet, not a puppet, <laughs> not a puppet on a string. You've got to do what's right and uphold the family name. Now, our family name, my family name is Basham, but I have a, a, a different family name. I have the same family name that you have if you're a believer in Christ. And that is Christ. We're Christians. And we need to uphold the honor of the family name. We don't want to drag our family name through the mud, do we? Other people may, but you and I certainly, we don't want to do that, do we? Don't we want to lift up the banner of Christ? Lift up the name of Jesus in the world in which we live? That is our identity. We need to uphold it and work at it. And you're going to fail No doubt you failed already today, many of us. But His mercy is more. His mercy is deeper. His mercies are new every day. Get up tomorrow and live a life that honors Christ. Now, the third thing I want to say is you have to beware of distractions from the commission. There are always things that distract us, even things that seem to be good. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. The Apostle Paul, he smacks the church at Corinth right across the mouth with this. It's just such a, it's such a punch in the gut. Listen to what he says to them. I mean, he, the church at Corinth had lots of problems. And here's what he says to them in verse 34. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 34. He says to them, Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. (laughs) He says, you guys need to come out of it. Get up. Knock it off. Quit the sinning. You know you shouldn't do it. You know it's hurting you. Quit. Now notice the next thing that he says. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. 
the church at Corinth had become so internally focused and so sinful that they had stopped telling other people about Jesus. They had stopped making the good news known. What a, what a, what a sad shape to get into as a church, right? Just sad. So we need to beware of distractions, things that can put us in a stupor. Now, these three, these, these three things are all P's. It'll be easy to remember. I want to say them to you carefully. The first is beware the distraction of politics because we're in a presidential election cycle and you're going to be sick of politics by the end of the year. By the end of the year, you're going to pray for a monarchy. <laughs> Just give us anybody. Remember, the key to a better country The key to this being a great country is not found in the government. It's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What this country needs is the gospel. And what happens to us as Christians is we get so frustrated by the way way this country is that we feel like our best recourse is political action. Now, political action has its place, no doubt about it. But our primary mission as Christians, as a church, as a corporate body, is to make sure the gospel is pouring forth. So, in this political time, for every one political meme you share on Facebook, for every one article you share that's political on Facebook, will you do me a solid? Will you do the church a solid? Do the kingdom of God a favor. And for every one political thing you share, share 10 gospel links to tracts or sermons so people can know how to be saved. I'll just, amen, Terry. The second thing we can be distracted by is by playing. <laughs> Play. We're all waiting for summer to come, or I'm waiting for the warm weather to come so I can go back to the Pigeon River in my waders with my fly rod and try to lure a trout. I'm already thinking about it. I'm thinking about going down to the, that, the river that, sound, that has a funny name downstate, Aw Sable. There you go, that one going down there and doing some serious fishing, maybe spend a whole day and a night down there. Thinking about, (laughs) Valerie's like, oh. (laughs) That's why I'm glad school goes way into June in Michigan. (laughs) We can get distracted by playing. There's so many things to play with. There's so many things to play at. You know? And we got to be careful about those distractions that we don't, get more excited about playing pickleball on Sunday afternoons than we do about doing other stuff for the Lord, right? And I like playing pickleball. It's, it's fun. It's fun. We get busy with things that distract us. We've got to be cautious about that. Play, fish, hunt, boat, ski. Do all the stuff that's fun. But don't forget about the Great Commission. 
Don't forget to do what needs to be done. The third thing we got to be aware of, the third distraction is people. People are going to get you down. The people around you are going to wreck your vibe. I mean, I've, been, I've, I've walked into church feeling pretty happy. By the time I get to the pulpit, I don't feel too happy anymore. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I, I am, and I'm not saying, I'm the pastor of the church, and people do, I'm not saying don't talk to me. I'm not saying that at all. It's just that I want to hear from I do want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about your problems, difficulties. I want to pray with you. I want to minister to you. I just, I'm just saying it by way of illustration, right? Is you can walk in that door pretty happy, and by the time you get up here, you're not happy anymore. Because somebody will say something snappy to you, or somebody, <laughs> Valerie and I, we went to a church, I was preaching at a church in uh, Altoona, Kansas, of all places. And she was sitting there with, I think she was holding, what baby were you holding probably? Back, yeah. Yeah. It was probably, it was either Mitchell or Leslie. And she was sitting there, you know, holding a little baby in her lap, and a lady came up beside her and was like, you know, I've been sitting in that seat for 40 years. And she was insisting that Valerie move because that was her 40-year-long seat, you know. She was a guest. I was actually, I was actually preaching there because they thought they might want me to be their pastor, you know. And I could tell if I came there what they were going to need right off the bat <laughs> with some lessons in friendliness. <laughs> but anyway... Just to say that people can get you down. People can get you down at church. People can get you down in the world you live in. People can get you down. But remember, don't focus on the malcontents. Don't think about the dipsticks. (laughs) Don't focus on the nincompoops. (laughs) If you were in Sunday school, Sunday school is more you know, I would whip that one out. Don't focus on the people who aren't that good of Christians. The Bible tells us that we need to keep our focus on Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. And remember that everybody around, every Christian around you is on a spiritual journey. Some of them are like kindergartners who've never heard no before. Some of them are like fourth graders who, can, who, who just don't know what to, when to talk and when not to talk. Some of them are like moody teenagers. And some of them are old codgers who are a little bit touchy about something. We're all on spiritual journeys, right? And don't focus on people. Don't let people distract you. When I was a kid going to church, I often got my focus on people. My dad, my, I, tell, I told my dad one time, I said, Dad, I said, I don't know why we got a fool with going to church. I said, church people are rotten. I said, if, if I have a problem with somebody at work, we can just meet up after work and knock each other around and work it out. But church doesn't work that way. Dad would say, don't worry about that kind of stuff. Stuff has a way of working out, and I hate to admit it, but my dad's been right so many times. Don't focus on the people. Focus on Christ, on Christ. People do change. They do get better. They do become sweeter. God's working on you. He's working on them. The Lord is at work. Now, three things in conclusion. Three things. Let's be a gospel-proclaiming church. Of all the stuff that we try to do around here, let's make it our primary objective to proclaim the gospel here 
and abroad. All in favor say aye. Aye. Let's keep the gospel pumping out. Number two, let's be a church of disciples, of people who are engaged in actually following Christ and living by His principles. All in favor? Thirdly, let's be a gospel-validating church. Let's be a church that preaches grace and is gracious with people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. and I pray that you bless these words to the hearts of my friends and loved ones here today. Lord, I pray you'd help me to be a better Christian. Help me to be a disciple dedicated to following you. And Lord, I pray that amongst this congregation that those persons who do not know Christ as their Savior, they will put their faith in him, that they'll call upon him. I pray for those who are not doing too good in their Christian walk, that you'll whisper in their ear, try again, try again. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be gracious as a body of believers. I pray these things in Jesus' precious and glorious name. Amen.